fucked, save the queen. <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. That's England's national anthem. There's nothing to laugh at. Well, now it's God save the king. All right, whatever. Man. It's just uh, that's in the public domain. I've been singing copyrighted songs the past couple of weeks, so I was, you know. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we need to get one episode that, uh, you know, will stay even if the, <laughs> the rest get copyright struck, uh, you know. So, yeah, uh, I Google public domain songs. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know why that's the one I chose, but that is the one I chose. Anyway, <laughs> hello, hi, welcome. The name of the show is Politics. Okay. Although <laughs> I also call it, I call it Politrix, and the title of this episode is Oppenheimer, aka Barbenheimer Part Two. My name is Presh, and I'm Ty. And it looks like this is going to be a very long episode. Yeah, I wouldn't I be have, surprised. Let's see here. I have eight pages of notes. That's a little bit. Well, it's mainly news. <laughs> There's a lot of news this week. Yeah. Oh well, I have a lot of opinions on the news this week. Okay. That's more so. But anyway, the cleanup from last week. Yes. So last week you said that Johnny Quest was rebooted when you were a child. Yes. So I couldn't fact check you at the time because I wasn't hundred percent sure, but I Googled and you were thinking of Johnny Quest. Johnny oh, sorry. Test. Johnny Test. Yes. Sorry, the wrong thing. So Johnny Test is a show I always viewed as an inversion of Dexter's Lab. Yeah. Have you ever watched Dexter's Lab? Yes. And I see it. All right, because um, <laughs> Dexter is a you know a redhead boy genius. Yeah, and he has a, a dumb blonde sister named Dee. Yes, uh, his father goes to work and his mother stays at home and you know maintains the house. Yeah, with Johnny Test, uh, he's a dumb blonde guy, but he has two redhead genius sisters. Yeah, so it's a not a gender swap, just. A, an inversion of the situation. Yeah. His mother goes to work and his father stays at home to maintain the house. Yeah. So again, an inversion of the the, the roles. Dexters. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Johnny Tess is a very weird like relationship to Dexter. I don't know how to you know, link them. But, but there's something there's there. something there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also last week I said Francis Howe was Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach's first comp Collaboration. It was actually the 2010 movie Greenberg, huh. which I will never watch, but uh, okay, <laughs> good to know. Fair enough. So the news of the week. We spoke about the EFF's 10-year anniversary celebrations last week, and they were platforming a homophobic speaker, the professor. Yes. I forget his name. Yeah, but, I meant to. Uh, not important, right? That was just the start of the celebrations. The yeah. actual main event was at FNB Stadium. Towards the end of the event, the EFF's leader, Julius Malema, started a chant called, Kill the Boer. Right? Yeah. This is an apartheid-era chant, and I understand how on its face it can seem like a call to violence. But it's really not. Said in context, it really means something closer to bring down the system. And again, like I said, it's a apartheid-era song, so it's more about bringing down apartheid. Yeah. Right. Uh, setting... Oh. I know this because a few years ago, Malema was taken to court over this, <laughs> about this being hate speech. Yeah. At, and he won the case that singing the song is not hate speech. The yeah. uh, uh, constitutional court uh, declared it so. Yes. And uh, just because a judge ruled something, that doesn't mean it's the correct decision. 
you know, uh, yeah. I disagree with plenty of things that are laws, that right? But true. in this particular case, I believe that that was the correct decision. Okay, yeah. Because context changes things, right? Okay. For example, the swastika was just a pattern before the Holocaust, Yeah. right? But after that, it was viewed as a hate symbol because the context of the Holocaust changed that meaning, Yeah. right? Similarly with words, the context of a situation changes how words are interpreted, right? Yeah. As far as I'm aware, people both singing and listening to the song, it is widely understood to be a struggle song and not a call to violence. Okay. Right? Yeah. The only thing I will say about this is once again in terms of strategy. I don't think this is a good idea. No. A political party should be trying to get the most votes that they can. And this is needlessly inflam inflammating <laughs> to white people who would be who could be amenable to a message, right? Right. The EFF could say, Well, we aren't trying to attract white people. White people are a minority in this country, we can win without, you know, even a single white vote. Yeah. Which is fine, but I would point out that they aren't in power, right? <laughs> if you have the majority of votes, you can afford to turn your nose up at, you know, potential votes. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying you sell out your values to attract voters. For example, platforming a homophobic speaker, you know, will attract other homophobes. Yeah. But it throws your gay supporters underneath the bus. Yes. So that's a betrayal of values to attract other people. That's not what I'm saying, right? Yeah. The EFF could have made the same point with another struggle song instead of the one that they know will bring criticism and that people can misconstrue as, you know, being a call to violence. That is true, they could, yeah. Right? Yeah. And that, that's why I'm saying you're not selling out your values, you're just presenting your values in a different way. Yeah. Right? That being said, another struggle song wouldn't have gotten the same amount of attention as this particular song, which I believe is the reason why it was sung. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> People say that, uh, you know, there's some people that say that all press is good press, right? But I disagree with this. I don't want my name or something I'm associated with to have any negative connotations, right? If my party is associated with, you know, inciting violence against a group, that's obviously a bad thing. Yeah. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? All in all, I really think this is a huge nothing burger. Because again, like we said a few years ago, they won the court case that this is not hate speech. Yeah. Right. I'm far more upset about them having that homophobic professor give the keynote speech, you know, at the opening event last week. Yeah. That gay people are, are actually under attack. Yes. Right. So platforming guys are this, it could spur more attacks on gay people. Yes. That's a genuine threat. Yeah. <laughs> so following this, the ANC, our ruling party hasn't commented on this. Right? Okay. However, the DA, which is the official opposition and a right-wing party, yeah. and AfriForum, which is an adverse advocacy group for white people, have taken this opportunity to push the white genocide conspiracy theory. Seen a lot of this. So oh this my. is a worldwide theory that comes up in different contexts, right? In a South African context, it comes down to farm murders. Yeah. Let's be clear. I'm not saying that farm murders don't happen. Okay. I'm saying yeah. South Africa is the most unequal country in the world. Due to this, a number of people turn to crime and rob other people. That is true. Sometimes this goes south and they kill the person that they're robbing. Yeah. Right. Farmers are isolated, which makes them easier targets than people in cities or suburbs where neighbors can come help you fight off robbers. Yeah. Right. You're just there with your family on the farm alone. Yeah. Right. Added to this, 
non-white farmers are also killed which should tell you that this is not a racial attack right yeah. there's just a disproportionate number of white people who are farmers compared to the demographics of our country so that's why it looks racially skewed yeah okay farm murders are roughly 1% of the total number of murders in south africa not 1% of crime 1% of murder okay yeah uh now although this conspiracy theory is false that white people are being targeted people are still dying on farms yeah that's a problem yeah in the same way people dying in other areas of the country is a problem yeah this may sound counterintuitive but i believe the solution to this is to create a more equal society yeah if you think about it middle class people very rarely steal money that it's, is true it's either the poor and the very wealthy that rob people right yeah if we created more well paying jobs and created programs to uh educate poverty stricken people so they can get those roles then poverty will decrease and therefore robberies will decrease as people won't need to steal makes sense to me i think given the choice of working a job uh that pays a decent wage and robbing people most people would choose working the job as it's much safer right yeah if you're robbing somebody that person could have a gun and they shoot you yeah you know this is uh right most people okay so now i don't blame afri forum for pushing this theory okay i'm not saying it's good <laughs> but these people are white supremacists right uh, <laughs> it's their job to promote conspiracy <laughs> theories like this like <laughs> i'd be shocked if they didn't do this you know this is what the, uh if we go to their about section <laughs> <laughs> this is what they're about right i'm disappointed well <laughs> disappointed isn't the right word because i don't really give a shit right okay if i were a da voter yes which i am definitely not okay i would be disappointed and embarrassed at this reaction from the da okay so again i don't really care what the da does yeah. but if i were a supporter i'd be like i said embarrassed yeah okay. my, my assumption is that they are doing this because in the last election an even more deranged right wing party came along called action sa and they took a number of votes away from the da and this is their play to win those voters back okay but that's just yeah. my uh brainstorming you okay. know i don't know that for a fact i'm just uh yeah speculating yeah the next story is there's a taxi quote unquote strike in the western cape. Yeah. First of all I want to clarify for our international listeners that when we say taxi we don't mean like the yellow cabs in New York City. Yeah. We're more referring to what you would call a minibus or a shuttle. And they're mainly used by poor people that is as it is much more affordable than a bus or a train. Yeah. Added to this we don't have as many buses and trains as compared to a first world country. So there are certain areas that can only be reached via taxi. Yeah. Obviously if you don't have a car. Yeah. Which a poor person would much less likely to have a, a car. Yeah. Which is why the taxi is important for them. Yeah. Right? I'm saying this so you uh, understand that taxis are a huge part of how the country runs. Yeah. If the taxis get shut down then a large number of people won't be able to get to work or wherever they need to be. Yeah. Now this is an extremely bad thing as a country should not be so reliant on one type of transportation. Yeah. For example, if something happens like this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the exact scenario about why it's a bad thing. Right. 
This has also caused both taxi drivers and the institutions governing them to act with impunity, right? You frequently see taxi drivers breaking the rules of the road. Almost constantly. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday, Santaco, which stands for the South African National Taxi Council, okay. which I think is a union, but I'm unsure as their website describes them as, quote, an empowered, organized, and unified body regulating and representing a democratic, accountable, and professional taxi industry that serves all South Africans in an affordable, safe, and reliable mode of public transport, meeting and setting the standards within the public transport industry, end quote. So at no point do they use the word union. This doesn't fit the description of a union. But they're the ones who are negotiating on behalf of the taxi drivers. So they're kind of acting as a union. Yes, but I'm not sure if they are. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Oh, you know that they they fit the formal definition of a union. Yeah. Maybe it's fine that they, you know. But, uh, right, if they're not a union, they don't have the power to declare a strike. Yeah. But nevertheless, right, they took the decision to stop all taxi operations on Thursday in the Western Cape. Yeah. They are unhappy as the city of Cape Town has decided to impound vehicles of motorists who disregard road rules such as overloading and failing to stop when instructed to by a traffic officer <laughs> rather yeah. than issue fines. <laughs> I hate to agree with the DA <laughs> who are the people in charge of Cape Town, but this is completely rational. Yeah. If you give them a fine, they can just pay it and get back to breaking the law. Yeah. If your taxi will be impounded, that's a far bigger deterrent. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. that that's what the the change is. There was already a a law that said you can't do this but the punishment was a fine yeah the only thing they're changing is instead of a fine you will be impounded yeah which you know completely reasonable. the taxi people were very upset yeah right so what is a strike uh, like i guess picketing for something you want yes but uh what i mean is a strike is when you withhold your labor right yeah you don't do work that yes. you're at your company to do yeah because your your union has organized a strike yeah right right what's what's been happening in the last couple of days has been taxi drivers have been setting fire to buses who they shot a bus driver dead oh my and other numerous acts of violence that's this has also caused a number of people to be without transport and we saw some harrowing videos of a mother walking the streets at night and crying while searching for a child who never came home, as he usually comes via taxi. (sighs) There are certain times when I'm in favor of violence to advance your goals, but this is not one of those times. This is violence towards fellow working class people. I just hope that they can come to an agreement soon, as this is a horrific situation all around. (sighs) Anyway, some lighter news. Okay. Former President Donald J. Trump was indicted on Tuesday <laughs> in connection with his widespread efforts to overturn the 2020 election following a sprawling federal investigation into his attempts to cling to power after losing the presidency. The indictment, filed by the special counsel Jack Smith in federal district court in Washington, accuses Mr. Trump of three conspiracies. One, to defraud the United States. Two, a second to obstruct an official government proceeding, the certification of the Electoral College vote, and a third to deprive people of a civil right, the right to have their votes counted. 
Mr. Trump was also charged with the fourth count of obstructing or attempting to obstruct an official proceeding. Each of these conspiracies, which built on the widespread mistrust the defendant was creating through pervasive and destabilizing lies about the election fraud, targeted a bedrock function of the United States federal government, the nation's process of collecting, counting, and certifying the results of a presidential election, the indictment said. The charges signify an extraordinary moment in United States history, a former president in the midst of a campaign to return to the White House being charged over attempts to use the levels, levers of government power to subvert democracy and remain in office against the will of voters. Now, this is the third indictment overall yes. and the second since this podcast has been on the air. <laughs> <laughs> Just to remind you, the first indictment was about paying hush money to the porn star Stormy Daniels, yeah. which wasn't that hectic, right? No. The second was mishandling of classified documents where he left them around his house, including on the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Some light reading while you take a shit. Yeah, some people have magazines, some people have (laughs) classified documents. (laughs) You know, it's only haters that are trying to (laughs) bring him down, right? But like I said during his second indictment, he can still run for president from prison. Yeah, And the right wing will take this as proof that, you know, Joe Brandon is a communist who's jailing <laughs> his political enemies uh, like Joseph Stalin. Yeah. I'm not saying they shouldn't indict him. Yes. He's done something wrong. He should be indicted. Yes. I'm saying we shouldn't get too excited because once he's president, he can just pardon himself. That is true. He could. Right. If, if this were something that discredited Trump, yes, then I would say... It's a good thing. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> him being jailed by the Democrats, uh, his supporters will just see that as further confirmation that he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Right? So his enemies had to, uh, you know, compromise him to a permanent end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but <laughs> there's... Um, ah, fuck, what was I going to say? There's something. Mm, never mind. Let's just move on. Okay. I'll come back to it if I remember. Okay. So Banyana Banyana made it to the round of 16. Yeah. But lost to the Netherlands at the 2023 Women's World Cup. Yeah. So I missed the first game, but then watched the remaining two group stage matches. And then the round of 16 game. Yeah. And I believe that the coach Desiree Ellis is to blame. Okay. So they're playing a physical, high-pressing type of football. Yeah. This takes a toll on the players both physically as they're tired and mentally as they can't maintain the concentration for the full 90 minutes. Yeah. So it's important that you make use of your substitutions to keep the team fresh and to tweak the tactics depending on how the game is going. Yeah. In the game against Argentina we were 2-0 up. Yes. And she still kept on all the attackers instead of bringing on an additional defensive midfield to to keep control of the ball in the midfield. Yeah. Argentina then went on to equalize 2-2 because the coach did not react when they lost control of the midfield. Yeah. So, like, roughly around an hour, they started losing control of the midfield. Yeah. In the 70th minute, they uh, Argentina scored the first, and in the 80th, they scored the second. Yeah. So if she had acted when she saw, like, they're losing control, yeah. she could have prevented that. Yeah. All right? Uh... Because, yeah, she had two strikers and two wingers. There was really no need. Like I said, they were 2-0 up. Yeah. Uh, 
In the game against Italy, it was the 85th minute and she had only made one substitution. Luckily, they were able to hold on to win the game. But now the whole team is extremely tired because you've run them into the ground. And in the game against the Netherlands this morning, everyone looked extremely tired. In a tournament setting where there's games every four or five days, you can't keep playing the same players for more than 80 minutes and expect them to maintain their performance levels. Yeah. Secondly, the marking at set pieces was atrocious. Yeah. Nearly every corner the opposition had a free header. That is entirely down to the coaching. Yeah. Thirdly, the person I think not to blame is the keeper. Her name is Caitlin Swart. Yeah. There's a narrative that she was chosen due to political reasons. Apparently, the president of SAFA, Danny Jordan, forced Desiree Ellis to play Swart. And there's a better goalkeeper on the bench that is feuding with Danny Jordan. Yeah. So that better goalkeeper on the vin- on the bench was advocating for Safa paying the women's team more money. Oh yeah. So okay, apparently yeah. Danny Jordan <laughs> is always fighting with her and he's the one who forced the coach to bench her. Right? Um, okay. Yeah. Uh I can't speak about the reserve keeper as I've never seen her play. Yeah. But what I can say is that SWAT only made one mistake the whole tournament. And was mostly decent. Yeah. She made a bunch of saves at crucial moments and her distribution was fine. The amount of hate I've been seeing online for Caitlin Swart has been bizarre. Yeah. Right? People have just really been going after her. Yeah. Her name has been the number one trending topic every time there's a Banyana game. Yeah. And like she didn't do anything wrong and it's just, we need to replace her. (laughs) (laughs) It's, yeah, it's just bizarre. It's not her fault. Like, say this is true that Danny Jordan forced... uh, Desiree Ellis to play her. Yeah. It's not Swart's fault. No. Why Why are these people coming after I have no idea. All right. All that being said, however, I'm still incredibly proud. The yeah. men's team, Bafana Bafana, have qualified for three World Cups. Yeah. And one of those times, we only qualified because we were the hosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> said World Cup. Right? <laughs> In each of those three World Cups, we never made it out of the group stage. Yeah. Banyana Banyana reaching the last 16 is a huge accomplishment, especially since they don't receive nearly as much money as the men's team does. Yeah. Lastly, I want to say that you can see the talent on display in this team. It's just the coach mismanaging them. Sound uh, familiar? No. Okay. Uh, who are you talking about? Uh, just like if it sounds familiar about anything in general, any teams. I talking about Liverpool? No, I would never. But like... Yeah, I guess so. But there's a far more, like, bigger culprits in the league than Liverpool. Is there? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> like, David Moyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they got so lucky winning that... Uh, conference. N- conference league, yeah. right? Because they were having an atrocious <laughs> season. And this... <laughs> that re- they they in the Europa League now. <laughs> that, yeah. that rescued everything. <laughs> he's, he's out of his depth, right? <laughs> I don't mean to be rude to And I, I also don't mean to be rude to Desiree Ellis, right? Yeah. Because the uh, the commentators was just saying that, you know, she faced a huge uphill battle. Yeah. She was like one of the pioneers of getting women's football, uh, you know, going in South Africa. Yeah. And as a player, she didn't have too many opportunities. In yeah. total, she played something like 30 games for Banyana Banyana. Yeah. Whereas... That's something that an American player would play in a year. Yeah. So over her like fifteen year career, she only played thirty games. Yeah. So very disappointing. 
yeah and not because of her because of the infrastructure infrastructure around her yeah so she's done a lot to get women's football in south africa on the map yeah. and here i am trashing it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i have to be honest uh, that team could have done far better yeah even though like you know people will say well you've never made it to the round of 60 <laughs> you know biggest can't be chooses but genuinely they were better than the netherlands team today yeah it's just uh, one they got way tired in the second half they couldn't maintain their levels yeah and the other things are said yeah <laughs> they conceded a goal in the first 10 minutes to a corner yeah and uh, yeah hopefully the next world cup uh, Oh, oh, do they have Afcon? They have Wafcon. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know too much about the women's game. Uh, the, yeah, they've got Wafcon. So, yeah. So hopefully they win that. Yeah. So, do you have any news? I do have some news. All right, well, go on. Uh, have you heard of LK99? No, but as you were saying that I thought you were going to say Al-Qaeda. <laughs> yeah, I know about Al-Qaeda. <laughs> I was there during 2001. But yeah, LK whatever 9, LK 99. 99. Uh it was created by reacting lead sulfate and copper phosphorus, right? So this yeah, submerged shit that yeah, Arabia. Right? This is some proper nerd shit. Right, well, tell us tell the listeners. It is they going to understand not me. <laughs> It's rumored to be the first ever room temperature superconductor. Right? Oh, I've seen yeah. <laughs> I've seen people making jokes about this. <laughs> I don't know what it means. So basically a a superconductor is hot. Well, no. Not cold. Uh, yes, cold. So it's it's very very cold, right? So I uh, use gloves to touch it. What? You need to use gloves to touch it. Yes. <laughs> Woolly gloves. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mittens even. <laughs> But anyway, right. Um usually superconductors are like super super cold, but they have no resistance through them, right? So you can pass a current through just fine. Oh no, that's bad. No resistance. <laughs> it's it's a good thing for electricity. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Greatly misjudged the yeah. situation. <laughs> the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What did you say uh they have no resistance no resistance yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I just assumed resistance was a bad thing you know <laughs> you <carry on. laughs> so so it it's it's great to have well so because you've got the superconductors that you have to have uh really really cold you obviously can't use them in things like power lines and stuff like that because it would be really really expensive to keep massive amounts of it cold. super cold mm. yeah but now with a room temperature superconductor um you can then make things like power lines and stuff like that well i don't know about that because like it's still outside uh, like under the direct sun right yeah room temperature would be inside ours yeah <laughs> like <laughs> if it's uh, a telephone line underneath the sun you know wouldn't that still be Yes. quite quite warm like yes. uh, i guess they'd put like rubber around it or whatever to yeah keep it cool so like <laughs> maybe some sunscreen <laughs> <laughs> rub sunscreen on the pylons every day <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay but, yes. uh, so, but i guess room temperature is way better than extremely cold yeah it's still a huge advancement so i don't know why yeah. i'm talking shit <laughs> but yeah what are other practical It's, things how does this affect me what can i do <laughs> so i mean in theory 
it could mean can I go to the moon? Yes Maybe. or no? Yeah, yes. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm much more interested. <laughs> yeah. But it'll mean things like much less energy loss through you know like the big pylon cables because there's no resistance. Yes. <gasps> <laughs> All right. <laughs> so possibly an end to load shedding. All right. Yeah. That's okay. yeah, that's that's kind of like the main thing as a South African that I would take away from that. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. In other news, Paul Rubens. Yeah, damn. Yeah. I mentioned him a few weeks ago. Yeah. That was it's not my first uh like put first time encountering him. Yeah. That was my first time seeing him in that character. Yeah. Pee-wee Herman. Yeah. I never seen Pee-wee Herman before. I I saw Paul Rubens on was it Thirty Rock? I have no idea. It's either Terry Rocco or Arrested Development where he has a very uh, funny, you know, cameo appearance. Okay. I can't, I can't remember right now off the top of my head. I'll... Anyway, carry on. Yeah. Uh, he has unfortunately I'm passed... Sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Look, I remember now. He plays, uh, you know, like, inbred people. Yes. You know, like, the European royalty. Yes. They're like... <laughs> right, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. So he plays like a Habsburg prince. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny but yeah like i said uh i've just been seen a bunch of tributes pouring out for him that he's a, a very formative uh, comedian in a lot of people's lives yeah um unfortunately in 1991 he was arrested at a, a porn theater oh right okay. for like public lewdness and yeah. he was branded as like a a sex criminal okay. which a lot of people took took that to mean that he was a pedophile. Yeah. But it's not. He was just in a porno theater and he was jacking off. Yeah. You know? <laughs> As you yeah. do. No, because like you live in a world with the internet. Yes. Before the internet, you had to either get a magazine. Yes. Or, <laughs> or go to a theater. <laughs> or go to a porno theater. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm sympathetic to a situation. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, but he was arrested and he was labeled a sex criminal. So yeah. a lot of people, like he didn't do his act for like eight years or something like that. That's a long time. Yes, but uh, eventually he came back. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, you said that stuff to read. I just, sorry, I interrupted <laughs> your whole thing. So, the, I mean, we, we've kind of like glossed over it a little bit, but he's unfortunately passed away. At the age of 70, mm. this past week. Due to cancer. Yes. Which he was, he didn't want to, uh, like... Uh, Disclose. Uh, dis- yeah, tell other people. He was pr- fighting it privately. Yeah. So, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. It's a shame. Rest in peace, Pee Wee Herman. R.P. Mm. All right, yeah, that's my news done. All right, so can we go into the context of this movie? Yeah. So... Well, let me just check the time. Half an hour. Not bad. I thought it would be longer. Yeah, that was pretty good. We spoke about Mission Impossible, Barbie and Oppenheimer harkening back to three separate eras of Hollywood. Yeah. This is our final episode of the three, so I think I can give the results. Okay. In terms of box office, at time of writing, as expected, Barbie came in first with 823 million. Yeah. Against a budget of 300 million, including marketing. Right. That's a pretty tidy profit. Essentially, 500 or half a billion in profit. 
right? And it's still not out of theaters. They can still make more. <laughs> but yeah. uh, <laughs> the point being, it's pretty good, right? Uh, like I said, kids' movies or movies marketed as kids' movies would obviously do far better than a three-hour yeah. uh, biopic <laughs> about Oppenheimer, right? That is true. Some yes. weird nerd scientist. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I believe it has the juice to hit one billion. Oh yeah, definitely. Which would be a welcome boost for Warner Brothers, as The Flash, Shazam Two, and Black Adam were all flops. Yeah, right. <laughs> In second was Mission Impossible with four hundred and fifty-two million. Yeah, against a budget of three hundred million, excluding marketing. Okay. Which I'd estimate to be between one hundred and fifty and two hundred million. Okay. So, yeah. <clears throat> the reason it costs three hundred million. Yeah. was because they had to do a bunch of reshoots because yeah. and uh, the pandemic kind of fucked up their shooting schedule. Yeah. So this was shooting during the height of the pandemic. Right, yeah. So it would have cost between 150 and 200 million, but they had to spend that extra 100 million because, you know, challenges uh, associated with that. Yeah. So I would estimate the the marketing budget to be similar to the production budget without the extra 100 million right yeah so all in all i think the cost of the movie could be about 500 million and it's only made 450 <laughs> yeah so <laughs> they're 450 in the red yeah right which is a huge disappointment and a flop on its own terms yeah but especially as the prior movie in the franchise did nearly 800 million yeah and the two prior to that made close to 700 million yeah so this is you know at least 250 less than the past couple. Yeah. Right. In third was Oppenheimer with 425 million against a budget of 100 million, excluding marketing. Yeah. Right. So it should be roughly 200 million altogether. Okay. So they yeah. made 225 million in profit. Again, pretty tidy profit. Yeah. <laughs> so in terms of raw numbers, Mission Impossible made more money, yeah. but had larger costs, so made less profit. like I mentioned in an episode a while back they totally fucked themselves by choosing to release now towards the end of August when the IMAX screens opened up from Oppenheimer they had a free run but chose to release in July yeah we mentioned this way back but Oppenheimer planted their flag in the sand that they made a deal with all the IMAX places that listen we're gonna run this movie for this amount of time in IMAX yeah and then Mission Impossible decided to release two weeks before that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like, you know, once you lose your, uh, what's the word? Like more expensive screens. Yeah. Because IMAX is more expensive than a regular screen. So yeah. you're losing a huge portion of money that could come just because... Uh, you chose... <laughs> you to... chose poorly. Yeah. <laughs> right? There was really no reason they needed to release now like I said this movie was done quite a while ago yeah Uh, yeah so like if they had uh, delayed it a few weeks that wouldn't be that big of a deal that's what I'm trying to get at yeah Yeah. right Uh, where am I now right spoiler alert in terms of quality I thought Oppenheimer blew these two other two out of the water yeah (laughs) right yeah I have Oppenheimer as a 10 Barbie as a seven and Mission Impossible as a six. Okay. The latter two being disappointments. I expected much more from both. And frankly, with Guardians of the Galaxy, Indiana Jones, and Shazam 2 all being mid-tier, this has been an incredibly disappointing year for me. Reasonable. Um, I was going to say, 
I've given out the same number of tens as Trump has indictments. <laughs> <laughs> but then I remembered Avatar, which also, you know, because uh, I kind of count that as last year. Yeah. So I don't, rem- you know, think about it as a this year movie. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so this is a biopic. <clears throat> yeah. I believe the first biopic we've covered on this show. And yeah. I don't go to the movies for accuracy. Okay. I believe that not only can you fudge the details, you should fudge the details to tell a more interesting story. Okay. All the way up to and including telling an entirely false story. But then is it still a biopic? Yes. Isn't a biopic like based off of someone's life? Yeah, that person is still in the movie. It's just a fake story. But then wouldn't that... This happened last year with... Do you know who Weird Al Yankovic is? Yes. So they made a, bio, a biopic about Weird Al Yankovic. Okay. And everything in that movie is false. <laughs> <laughs> That's the joke of the movie. That like, you're like, what the fuck? Did this really happen? You Google it. It's like, no, nothing of the sort happened. <laughs> right. But my, my point being, I'm happy for the artist to take creative liberties uh, with the text. Yeah. If okay. like there's a meeting that happened two years in the future, but you move up the timeline so it's now, yeah. uh, then because it makes more sense for the flow of the story, then that's fine with me. Yeah. Okay. Right? There's stuff like that where I just trust that the director yeah. will, you know, <laughs> make the best decision possible. Yeah. Right. If I want to know how something actually went down, I will watch a documentary or read a book. Okay. That, that's where yeah. I expect accuracy yeah like if you're not <laughs> if you're not presenting things actually that that's when i have a problem right okay, as yeah. opposed to a fictional film even yeah. even a biopic okay that being said i understand other people don't view biopics in the same way right I, and I they one of those people right yeah. and they have complaints about the accuracy of this movie yeah so i'm not going to address those complaints uh in my in what I want to say about this movie because okay. again I it, it doesn't matter to me okay. right? it's irrelevant to me so yeah. I have nothing to answer for okay fair <laughs> enough reasonable <laughs> secondly I'm not interested in Rob, Robert Oppenheimer the person okay in the slightest right so I will not be giving context to him I'm only interested in what Christopher Nolan is trying to say about him within the text of the movie okay yeah Speaking of which, Christopher Nolan is a British filmmaker that is a brand unto himself. Yeah. In the same way we spoke about Tom Cruise a few weeks ago. Yeah. And also like Tom Cruise, Nolan is a big believer in the theatrical experience. Yeah. And, you know, cinema in general. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we spoke about this last week, but Warner Brothers choosing to release Tenet as a day and date release really pissed Nolan off. So much so that he stopped working with them and made Oppenheimer at Universal. Damn. Something I didn't mention last week, but I've said in in the past, is that I believe Universal is very creator friendly yeah. and, and has an eye for talent. For example, poaching Robert Eggers from A24 and Jordan Peele from Blumhouse. Yeah, and I'm excited for their movies going forward. I think we mentioned this in the Renfield episode. Yeah, that, briefly. Uh, they got Nicolas Cage in this movie. Yeah, with the who's the guy who wrote it? He wrote The Walking Dead. I'm not sure. Robert Kirkman. All right. <laughs> anyway, 
but also, like I said last week, Warner Brothers releasing Barbie on the same day as Oppenheimer was a massive fuck you to Chris. <laughs> right. The magic of the internet somehow turned that fuck you into free marketing <laughs> for both Barbie and Oppenheimer, thus creating the Barbenheimer phenomenon. Now, we didn't speak about this last week, but in the last week, yeah. Japanese Twitter has uh, found the Oppenheimer, I mean, the Barbenheimer memes. And they were became very upset about it, right? Not, not that people are making memes about Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. because that's the subject of the movie yes they more have a problem with barbie being you know related to yes uh the the nuclear bombs okay oh i see okay so (laughs) (laughs) they've started uh photoshopping uh (laughs) 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 9-11 like japanese characters with (laughs) 9-11 stuff but the thing is there's a cultural misunderstanding going on Yes. People in America love <laughs> making fun of 9-11. There's a lot of people, like, the Japanese are expecting everyone to be upset. <laughs> people are having a great time. <laughs> Frankly, it's the best time. <laughs> like, all right, yeah, this, this is cool. This is, I mean, that works. Nice. Like, well uh, done, Japan. You're threatening a chocolate addict with being taken to Willy Wonka's factory. <laughs> it's like you, you're punishing somebody by giving them exactly what they want. Right. Um, so, yeah, continuing the idea of him being a believer in the theatrical experience, Nolan is an innovator and pioneer in certain areas, such as IMAX, but is a Luddite in certain other areas, such as refusing to film on digital being hesitant to ADR dialogue and only filming on film. Yeah. Now, brace yourself, listeners. I'm about to criticize James Cameron. Huh? Listeners, if you have a child, please cover their ears so they don't get too upset. (laughs) (laughs) Big Jim loves IMAX too much. I mean, Big Jim is too in love with 3D. Sorry. (laughs) Right? Don't get me wrong. He loves IMAX as well, but I believe Nolan is correct in pursuing... IMAX only, not 3D. Okay, yeah. Do you remember in the Avatar episode, I said the first Avatar was responsible for... Your uh, disdain for 3D. No, no, j- just uh, a bunch of people trying to cash in on the 3D phenomenon. Oh, yeah. But none of them did it as well as Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I just have this negative connotation with 3D movies, and I yeah. really dislike wearing the, the, glasses. the glasses, right? Yeah. So that's why I much prefer IMAX. Yeah. This was my favorite theater experience this year. Yeah, same actually. Because, like, it was my eighth or ninth viewing of Avatar <laughs> on the first of January. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> diminishing returns afterwards. But, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, back to Nolan. Yeah. He's an extremely methodical and precise filmmaker. Okay. So much so that a lot of people claim that his movies are too robotic and lack emotion. Okay. I agree with the summation, right? Yeah. Defenders of Nolan point to Interstellar in particular. Uh, we have the scene where Matthew McConaughey sees the video of his daughter grown up and he starts crying. Have you seen Interstellar? No. <sighs> it's on my watch list. So they in space they astronauts in space yes and they go down to a particular planet where time moves differently yes so what they thought was going to be like a three hour mission turned into a lot longer turned into a 21 year that's, mission right that's a lot longer okay, so yeah. when he comes back he, he 
he finds that uh, his daughter has sent a bunch of messages yeah and she's grown up her entire life has gone past right? uh-huh. he missed his entire daughter's uh, childhood and yeah. you know like growing up yeah and he bursts into tears and McConaughey is you know oh. he's totally fucked up oh. <laughs> right this people love that right yeah uh i say that's the perfect scene that proves my point okay uh i recognize that this is a father who's missed his daughter's entire life yeah but i don't care <laughs> right i felt nothing at that moment okay so again there's just some people who feel emotion some people who don't when they watch a christopher nolan movie yeah either one is fine i'm just saying i for me i don't feel very emotional yeah right That being said, I don't view this as criticism. Okay. There's nothing wrong with this. I feel the same way about Stanley Kubrick. Okay. Nolan just isn't the type of director to make a movie that will make me cry, and that's fine. Yeah. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can still appreciate the technical work he's done. Yeah. Right? Uh, uh the craft of the the movie. Yeah. Even if I don't feel particularly attached to the characters, but other people view this as criticism and they, you know, Nolan defenders get very upset about this. <laughs> But what I'm saying is it doesn't really matter. Fair enough. The other main criticism of him is that he doesn't handle female characters well. Okay. They usually have very little to do except die. Yeah. <laughs> For example, Marion Cotillard in Inception and The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Uh Maggie Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight. Yeah. Uh lots more <laughs> like <laughs> all those other people that most movie most of his movies have somebody dying memento has uh, doesn't carry uh fuck what's her name she's in the matrix i don't know damn it <laughs> <laughs> all right whatever right i agree with this and it's up to him if he wants to change it right yeah uh like i've maintained on the show an artist should just do what they want Yeah. If Christopher Nolan wants to make movies where women have little to do, that's his right. Yeah. And if an audience member thinks a certain thing should have been added, that's their problem. Yeah. Right? They can take away points from their rating of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? That being said, if Christopher Nolan hears the, this criticism and, you know, believes he can make a better movie by taking this criticism into account, yeah. Then this would have helped him. Yeah. So these people are correct to voice their criticism it's up to Christopher Nolan whether he views that criticism as valid or not yeah right so yeah but i also agree <laughs> he gives women very little to do even in this movie like uh, Florence Pugh has very very little to do yeah Emily Blunt has one scene where she's like making fun of the grammar of some guy yeah but she's mainly just alcoholic. Yeah. She's just <laughs> she's pretty much just an alcoholic. Slightly yeah. well, she's like in the corner of the camera and she's just taking a big swig of wine. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's all the, you know, his female characters have to do in this movie. Yeah. So while I agree with that, uh, you know, it's up it's it's his uh, maybe he is a misogynist, you know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. Anyway, my thoughts on the movie. Yeah. Like I mentioned before, I saw this movie at the Eastgate IMAX. And this theater is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> the screen is massive and you truly get immersed into the visuals. But also the sound shakes the whole cinema. Yeah. I felt tremors when the bomb went off. It was same. Right. Yeah. It um, was actually my first IMAX experience. Did you go to Eastgate as well? No. Oh. 
Yeah, I went to Mall of Africa. But still, uh, yeah, IMAX. Still IMAX. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I googled right, and the Eastgate is the biggest. Uh, it's bigger than the Mall of Africa. Oh, <laughs> oh! I thought they were just like standardized. No, huh. they each one has a different uh, dimension. Oh, for each. Cool. Uh, yeah, I just saw it online, huh. but I don't really care. As long as it's big enough to see, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> who's who's fighting over you know a couple of centimeters here and there. Not me. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the oh sorry, I just wanted to mention something I didn't write down, but it's a criticism that I have. Okay. I find his movies lack color. Uh, I think yeah. I've mentioned this to you before, right? Yeah. Up until Dunkirk, his previous movies are very gray. And like, I just I, I just like color in movies, right? Yeah. Now, with Interstellar, the point of Interstellar is that the planet is dead. Yeah. So I understand it's an artistic choice in that movie to make, you know, things look bleak and dear, dreary. Yeah. But even the Batman movies I thought were also very muted color palette. Yeah. Very, like, dark colors, very... There's just no, like fun and whimsy in his movies yeah right and then he makes Dunkirk yeah which also very let's say a singular color palette that yeah. movie is very very green yeah right so although it's not you know James Cameron with Avatar with yeah. the date night where all the colors are going yeah. on <laughs> it's it's you know he's at least learning to incorporate colors yeah. and I thought Tenet was a much bigger step forward yeah. Where he's playing with colors a lot more. Yeah. I don't know why you're saying, yeah, have you seen Tenet? I... Stop the bullshit, man. <laughs> You've never seen Tenet. I watched the first 10 minutes of Tenet in Reverse. Because someone posted Tenet in Reverse. Jesus Christ. Yeah. All right. You call yourself a film fan. Yes. Jesus. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> He uses a lot more colors, and I thought this movie as well, similar to Dunkirk, yeah. even though it's not bright colors popping all the time, hmm. it's still like gorgeously shot. Okay. So yeah. even though they're not bright colors, it's still like beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to like The Dark Knight, which was, I don't, well, not I'm, I don't know why I'm singling out The Dark Knight, but yeah. you know a lot of his earlier movies have that very muted palette. Yeah. So yeah. The sound as a whole is outstanding in oh. this film. It's yeah. done by Ludwig Göransson, yeah. who I first knew as a Childish Gambino collaborator. Oh. Right? He then did the music for the TV show Community. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, Donald Glover was on that show, so I assume yeah. he just brought him over yeah. <laughs> to work on the show as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, he eventually went into movies, culminating in working with Nolan on Tenet. Yeah. Right? And now renewing that partnership for this movie. I'm a big fan of his work and I think he works better than Hans Zimmer, which was <gasps> no <laughs> which was Nolan's previous music collaborator. Yes. Ludwig brings a more modern style of music compared to Zimmer, which I just prefer. Yeah. It's only recently that I've begun to realise how much good score adds to the quality of the movie. Yeah. I know I know I kept like I've mentioned this a few times. Yeah. <laughs> and recently for me is twenty twenty one, so it's like two years ago now. <laughs> Yeah, it's still quite recent that, like, I kind of get pissed off now when uh, a movie uses, like, songs instead of uh, 
like an original a, a score yeah right okay, yeah because like you know like with gardens of galaxy i don't get too upset because yeah. that's the point it's his mother gave him the uh the little MP. the cassette oh. yeah did you say mp3 no i would never <laughs> <laughs> she gave him a cassette yes <laughs> and that's his link with her and that plays throughout the movie and that's their emotional connection yeah. connection that makes sense yeah. but movies where they just randomly play music it's, <laughs> for it's, the sake of it it's it, like the mario movie from this year yeah whatever yeah. but uh it weirdly like dates the movie you know okay. like yeah you're just you just picked whatever was the hot song of the time yeah. in 10 years nobody's going to remember this yeah. or well yeah it depends well, and you like a kid watching this won't have the same connotations this song is trying to convey yeah whereas you know a score with just random instruments that doesn't you know it's much more timeless yeah that's really what what i think older movies have yeah uh as an advantage compared to newer movies that they okay. yeah. they utilize scores much more than <laughs> than songs yes yeah soundtracks yeah. let let me Do you know who Bernard Herrmann is? No. To me the best maybe second behind John Williams. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Music like a uh, music guy for movies. Composer. Composer. <laughs> <laughs> right? He did Citizen Kane. Okay. Uh widely considered the best movie ever made. We, I spoke about this a few weeks ago. Yeah. Maybe months now. <laughs> But it's probably I, I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Um Again, fantastic fan. Like again, it's top of the pile. Yeah. <laughs> right? He did the soundtrack for Vertigo. Okay. Alfred Hitchcock's most famous movie, well, Psycho is probably his most famous movie. Yeah. It's probably his best movie. People okay. will debate. Yeah. <laughs> right? But uh Vertigo is probably his best movie and Bernard Herrmann did the score for that. Okay. And his final composition was Taxi Driver. Oh. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. He completed the score so much of it and he died like on his when he got home that evening. Oh my goodness. So literally the day of his death was when he ended in the Taxi Driver script. So yeah. That's crazy. Uh So yeah. Citizen Kane was what? Either 1931 or 41, I can't remember right now. Right? Yeah. And Taxi Driver was 76. Yeah. So easily like a what 30 40 year career yeah yeah i would uh, suggest that you look up you know the works of bernard herman the okay. taxi driver score is my favorite okay but uh, the others also bang yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> yeah sorry for that uh, uh digression back okay. to this so the acting in this movie is phenomenal yeah everyone is pretty good but the person i want to give particular praise to is downey Yeah. Oh, DJ. Oh. He was released from the clutches of the Evil Marvel Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> and he's finally able to express himself instead of just turning to the camera and saying a sarcastic quip. <laughs> at the, at time of writing, he is my front runner for best supporting actor. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, like I mentioned last week, Oscar bait movies are released in December. Yeah. So it's still quite early, but I'm saying this to say I was blown away by down in this. They keep flashing back to the scene where Oppenheimer humiliated Strauss. And every time they replay that scene there's a small but powerful change to the expression on his face depending yeah. on who's recording that scene. Yeah. So when Oppenheimer recalls the scene Strauss is like happy, 
yeah. is smiling. When Strauss is recording the scene, he is fucking furious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has contempt on his face, bro. <laughs> but yeah, and it's it's so small, but it's so like I said, powerful. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, I also have to say that Casey Affleck is great in this. Yeah. Okay. His handful of minutes on screen were terrifying. That is true. You have other really bad guys on screen, but he's the only one you feel like there's an aura of evil around him. Yeah. Right? There's just something about him. That being said, Casey Affleck has been incredibly accused of sexual assault. Huh. The reason we haven't boycotted this film is because he plays such a small part. It's not like The Flash where Ezra Miller is the main character. If Casey Affleck played Oppenheimer, I would have boycotted this movie. Okay. Even if it is a Nolan movie. Yeah. Right. That being said, I've read a lot of people online that say it's actually Cillian Murphy or Matt Damon or David Crumholtz who is the standout. I just think it's a sign of a well-acted movie when people are arguing which performance was best. I mean, and all of them have a legitimate yeah. case. Right. <laughs> it, it's brilliant. Yeah. It really is. So again, Downey's the one that stood out to me, but I'm glad that this discussion that other people are saying, no, 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 yeah. look at this guy. <laughs> or look at that guy, you know. You need to watch the movie like seven times and each time focus on a different character. I was I was really thinking about that. I was just going to say this. That's the thing I forgot, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was thinking about watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles this week. Uh, okay. Right, for for next our week, yeah, next right? part. But I really want to watch Oppenheimer again. <laughs> 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 I had such an amazing experience. I kind of just want to relive it again. Yeah. And... Oh, well, I'm going to mention it just now, but I was late to the movie. <laughs> so, oh, no. Right? <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, it's actually the directly next point. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I missed the first 15 minutes because the queue for popcorn was so long. Oh. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's been a long time since I saw a theater this full. It was packed. Yeah, both Barbie and Oppenheimer were just... They were yeah. doing gangbusters, right? <laughs> Everyone was there. I went on a Tuesday afternoon mm. and it was full. Bro, when you're trying to book seats, every <laughs> every showing is booked. Yeah. That's why I'm like, yeah, now it's been a few weeks, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Things will be a little bit more chill. Probably. Right? I had to Google what happens in this bit, the first, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. Apparently, the movie starts off with the quote, Prometheus brought fire to humans and was punished. Yeah. Or something similar. Yeah. This is very obvious. In the Greek myth, Zeus hid fire away from humans, but Prometheus stole it back and returned to the humans. Yeah. As punishment, Zeus nailed him to the top of a mountain and then sent an eagle to eat his immortal lover. Yeah. Which constantly replenished itself. Yeah. Similarly, Oppenheimer gave humans the bomb, and his guilt slash regret eats him up every day. Yeah. This is extremely basic shit. I'm only mentioning it because everyone may not know the story of Prometheus. Yeah. Nolan is setting up the main theme of this movie, which is, again, guilt slash regret with that yeah. quote. And the book that this was based on yeah. was called An American or The American Prometheus. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> again, this is like baby's first symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> symbolism 101. Yeah. So... In fact, the one thing I knew about Oppenheimer prior to this movie is that he said, I am become death the destroyer of worlds because he felt guilt and regret for making the bomb. Yeah. 
Which is why, as soon as this movie was announced, I wrote the following sentence on a piece of paper. Okay. This is Christopher Nolan's mere culpa for making The Dark Knight. Okay. Do you know what a mere culpa is? No. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a body part. Mere culpa is a phrase originating from Latin that means my fault or my mistake oh. and is an acknowledgement of having done wrong I see okay this is another very obvious take that many people have had but nevertheless this is my at, you know later on in this I'll show you where my value add is coming okay my yeah. unique folks this one man has one unique thing to add to this theory <laughs> <laughs> right but we'll get to that when I when I do it right right in the context section, I mentioned that Nolan is a cinema purist. Yeah. And what has been the thing that has been the cause of cinema being in a bad place for the last couple of years? Yeah. Oh, wait. <laughs> COVID. No. Superhero movies. Oh. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that is the, the whole meta note, right? Right. Okay, yeah. Superhero movies never used to be taken seriously until it was legitimized by... Excuse me. The Dark Knight in 2008. Okay. Oh. Okay. That was the first time people took superhero movies seriously. Right. The Dark Knight being excluded in the nominations for that year's Oscars was the reason the Oscars expanded the Best Picture category to have 10 nominees instead of 5. Wow. There was such a backlash to it being it not being nominated. Yeah. Like, because people... Okay. Let me just say this. I was born in 1997. Okay. This movie came out 2008, so I was 11 years old. Yes. This was the best movie I'd ever seen in my life. Wow. When I watched it, right? I was like, this is the best shit on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Why can't everything be like this? (laughs) Now, as time has gone on and I've seen other things, I realize this is just... Well, we've spoken about this before, right? Yeah. This is... The Dark Knight was just Christopher Nolan's take on Heat. Yeah. Far better movie. Right, yeah. But whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> My point being uh uh cut to today and talented directors can't get a movie made unless there's some sort of superhero gimmick involved. Okay. I think Nolan looks at this and thinks I'm the one who fucked this up. Huh. Certain people have pushed back on this and said, Well, Nolan isn't self centered enough to think that he alone is responsible for this. Okay. I would agree that he isn't self-centered enough to think that he's alone responsible for this. Okay. Which is why I think he cast Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> <laughs> As Oppenheimer's counterpart, right? Or counterpoint. People will say that it's just a coincidence. Yeah. Most top actors have been in Marvel movies, and there's a limited pool of top actors to pick from. That makes sense. I agree that this is the case with Florence Pugh, yeah. Who's Black Widow's sister. Yeah. Uh, Matt Damon, who's in the Thor movies. Yeah. David Desmelchin, who's in the Ant-Man movies. Yeah. Those are, are all coincidences. Right. Downey was the face of Marvel from 2008 until 2019. Because, yes, The Dark Knight came out in 2008. But yes. what also came out in 2008? OG Iron Man. Iron Man. Yeah. They were released within two months of each other. Yeah. Iron Man came out in May. Uh, Dark Knight came out in June. Uh, not June, July, July. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I believe that this is deliberate. 
Yeah. Like I said, other people have had this take, but nobody has mentioned Downey as part of the theory. Okay. So yeah, that's my value add to this conversation. Okay. To say that Robert Downey Jr. played Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's right. crazy. I didn't even know that. The people they needed me. <laughs> Nobody would have known. <laughs> I I boldly stepped forward and said, <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man. <laughs> right. Um, the last nod to this theory is that near the end of superhero movies or in the mid credits there's always has to be some sort of setup for the next movie. Yeah. For example, Thanos in the end credits of the Avengers. Yeah. For the funniest example of this, I always point to The King's Man. Okay. Which is not a superhero movie, but it's based on a comic. Yeah. And it's obviously trying to follow the formula of a superhero movie. Right. It's set during the World War 1. And in the credits they show a character we saw earlier being introduced as Adolf Hitler. <laughs> so early in the movie we didn't realize who he was. Yeah. Later when we see him the somebody like says his name. Yeah. <laughs> right? Now it's unclear whether or not this was a joke that was like mocking superhero movies yeah. or they were actually setting up a sequel with Hitler as the villain. <laughs> right? <laughs> the fact that it's unclear and could go either way is uh, not a good sign. Okay. Uh I believe in this movie it's far clearer that Nolan is mocking this by yeah. including the reference to John Fitzgerald Kennedy at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I have seen people online who are like, "Oh, I'd love to see a Kennedy movie with Nolan yeah. directing." <laughs> you know, <laughs> which, <laughs> which so would I, but that's not the point. That's beside the point. <laughs> right? Another point I want to bring up which may or not be be related. Okay. Both Dane DeHaan and Elden Ironreich had their reputations diminished by starring in superhero or superhero adjacent movies. Okay. Dane DeHaan was in The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Right. And Elden Ironreich was in Solo, which is a Star Wars movie which, you know, yeah. Disney owns Star Wars and Marvel. So, yes. uh, superhero adjacent. Yeah. <sighs> is Christopher Nolan reclaiming these guys and saying, "Hey, look, These guys are talented but you need to give them a good script to perform. Could be. It could just be a coincidence like I said with Matt Damon and Florence Pugh. Yeah. That's why I'm unsure whether or not to include this. Okay. Basically if it turns out to be right I want to be celebrated. <laughs> <laughs> and if it turns out to be false then I don't want anyone to be mean to me. <laughs> right? That's why I haven't included in the theory but uh, You know, I just mentioned it in case in case it turns out to be true. I want a I want a golden statue of me. <laughs> I want people, you know, a thousand years from now to like find the ruins and think that I was some sort of god. <laughs> so yeah. Uh the next scene we see him being bullied at school hmm. and he poisons his teacher's apple <laughs> which is hilarious right um oppenheimer's grandson yes on twitter said he doubts that story okay but the source for that story is oppenheimer himself <laughs> so, <laughs> so who right. are we trusting yeah. him or his grandson and anyway i assume this is some sort of adam and eve some you know symbology Yeah. Once Eve ate the apple, humans were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah. It's similar to both Oppenheimer and Prometheus. Yeah. They all did something that can't be undone. Right. Yeah. 
right yeah so, uh, another read of this movie is that it's about filmmaking okay have you seen inception i have heard of inception foxy <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's also on my watch list so in inception we have a team of mind thieves yes inception is when they have some sort of technology that puts you in somebody's mind right yeah but they have a team yes and people have taken that movie to be a a metaphor for filmmaking okay so this person is the director this person is the oh, you know whatever because yeah. they all play different roles and those roles map onto the roles of a filmmaking crew okay yeah similarly in this movie Oppenheimer's the d- the director Yeah. And he's getting a bunch of people and they all do a specific function to make a a thing. Right. Yeah. In their case it's a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> For Christopher Nolan it's a movie about a bomb. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, this could be viewed as a movie about filmmaking and the filmmaking process. Yeah. Of uh yeah. I assume that Nolan just uh identified with that message yeah. and applied it to his life. Yeah. Right. Right. I also think this movie is about cowardice and indecision. Okay. There's a number of times in the movie when Oppenheimer is asked a question and he doesn't take a firm stand. Yeah. Okay. And I think this is like an indictment of him. Okay. And like saying you should have been more forceful with your opinions, you know, you should have put your foot in the ground and not moved. Yeah. That's what I think. I don't know. Okay. I also Ever notice that says there is is crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Emily Blunt said something like you invited my husband on the trip. Yes. Knowing it wouldn't matter. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, 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 oh. This guy's got it like that. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> Because yeah, you just assume he's a a scientist so he's a fucking nerd but uh, yeah. He's, he's got it like that, Emily, <laughs> and he was cheating on her. <laughs> right. So again, I don't want to go through it scene by scene. That I was just giving my thoughts. Yeah. Florence Pugh. Yeah. There's another extremely terrifying scene where yeah. it's his imagination, right? So we yeah. we don't know how it happened. Yeah. But we imagine she killed herself. Yes. Then, <laughs> out of the corner, we see a black a uh, uh, glove covered hand. Yeah. that like pushes her yeah that the that's his mind going maybe the government uh, killed yeah, her yeah maybe she was assassinated by the government yeah and this is something called mccarthyism okay do you know what that is no so there was a senator called eugene mccarthy was uh, it eugene mccarthy or maybe joseph mccarthy <laughs> i feel like eugene sounds more right no because there was a eugene mccarthy but he's a, a good guy oh. <laughs> <laughs> i think it is a joseph mccarthy okay but he was a a huge anti-communist right so he just accused a bunch of people of being <laughs> anybody he didn't like he accused of being a communist right which that's what modern day right wing politics is about <laughs> <laughs> But at this time he had the power to um uh, you know shut down people. Yeah. So he would like throw pe- suspected communists into jail. Yeah. Now, if you remember our discussion last week about free speech. Yeah. What is free speech? It's being able to speak your mind but not to the extent of hate speech. 
it means you can say stuff without the government throwing you in jail for that opinion. Right. So just being a communist is an opinion. Yes. Right? Yeah. And the government threw them in jail because of it. Hmm. Right? Now, you, the modern day right wing always complains about free speech. Yeah. That their free speech is being denied. Yes. But if you look at history, historically, it's always been the left wing that's been, you know, their free, free speech has been trampled upon. Yeah. You also look at apartheid era South Africa. Yeah. Dissent, dissidents, dissidents were jailed. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. So, yeah. Monday right wing, they take hate speech, you know, like just <laughs> saying hateful things about gay people and saying, well, that's free speech. No, that's hate speech. Yes. Right? Yeah. These people are trying to equo- like, uh, Equate saying whatever you want to <laughs> this very strict definition of what free speech is. Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to point that out. Another okay. thing is with Florence Pugh. Yes. She says something like, "Most of the Communist Party hasn't read the the book the or book. whatever." Yeah. That is Christopher Nolan slicing and dicing you, putting you in the walk, and you know cooking your ass <laughs> okay how, how do you identify politically how do i identify politically i don't know what ideology would you say you subscribe to how would you describe yourself uh, i mean i'm like i guess mostly apolitical like i don't particularly subscribe to an ideology well like socialism to some extent there we caught him folks <laughs> the trap was set and he took the bait okay all right what books have you read none of them that's what i'm saying <laughs> florence Pugh's character is calling your ass out yeah. she, 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 she's toss, she's she's cutting you up she's putting you in the pan she's cooking your fucking ass. She, she's tossing in some spices some some salt <laughs> this was an attack on you this movie <sighs> And I'm not just you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually only me. This Look, movie was made to attack me. There's a lot of so-called left-wingers. Yes. That have never read any left-wing theory. Yes. They just go from, you know, situation to situation and make up their mind on that situation. Yeah. But if you have a coherent politics aside from, you know, we were speaking about race quotas. Yes. And I was saying the choice being put in front of you is should we have race quotas or shouldn't we have race quotas yes there's no good answer yeah because there shouldn't be race quotas everybody should get have a free chance yes but there should be race quotas because we're very unequal. This is the apartheid country. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we kind of did that thing. Right. For years and years, certain groups were uh, denied access to certain things. Yeah. So things need to be done to get those people into up to speed, so, so to speak. Right? Yeah. But now, again, that's what I'm saying. Those two things are a false option. Yeah. If you had a coherent politics you'll realize that socialism provides so many jobs that there wouldn't need to be race quotas yes that's what i'm saying right oftentimes people will present a false dichotomy 
it's either this or this. Yeah. But if you had a coherent politics outside of that question, you could see that you're being told a false question. Yeah. That's, you know, leading you to choose one of two negative answers. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to get at. So, yeah. Right. Okay. Florence Pugh got your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of people online, but yeah, you. <laughs> Me specifically. <laughs> she got you. What can I say, bro? She got you. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Your notes? I mean, they, I feel like they built up the whole bomb thing very well. Like the whole idea of it um they don't know what's going to happen when they make this thing explode like is it going to be a dud is it going to work is it going to light the atmosphere on fire okay. um yeah and i i i think they released that tension very well yes with the explosion i agree yeah but well not but sorry but i want to say something okay uh you know earlier in the movie where they're like we could cause a chain reaction that will block the world yes. or end the world or something. Yes. I swear to God, I thought they nearly did. Okay. Right? And at the end of the movie, he says, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we did do it, right? Yes. In Oppenheimer's mind, they did do it. But yeah. I was thinking about the uh, Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. Where <laughs> oh, right. yeah. Okay. <laughs> the uh, Soviet Union and America almost blocked the world. Yes. So that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, you you did create a, yes. a chain reaction. But, and I was so glad that the, you know, <laughs> the final scene confirmed my, <laughs> my thoughts. But yeah. Um... That was just a very a personal moment for me to get a win. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we go to the movies for, folks, to win. <laughs> oh. But yeah, that ending is so fucking cold, dude. Yeah. That I think we did. Yeah. And <laughs> I walks away fucked up. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn. You know, like when you're smoking weed. And your friend says something hectic and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> she's blue. This motherfucker is spreading facts, yo. <laughs> That's what Albert Einstein's reaction was when Oppenheimer said that. <laughs> oh. The other thing I want to say is the stakes in this movie were remarkably small and still had so much of weight to them. Yeah. So what are the stakes of this movie? the bomb no what will Oppenheimer keep his security clearance or not oh yeah that's the defining question of this movie yes <laughs> that's what all these uh, uh, hearings are for yeah that's what and the movie depicting the bomb yeah is only depicting that to show why he should or not have the security yeah. clearance <laughs> right <laughs> which is remarkably small stakes yes whereas in a superhero movie Every stake is the world is going to end. Yes. Right? This is remarkably small stakes, but the world <laughs> could end. Yeah. Could potentially <laughs> end in the story, right? Yeah. So I thought that was a good inversion of showing the world being at stake is not the be all and end all of stakes. Yeah. You can have something so small as should he keep the security clearance <laughs> or not? And you can still maintain tension and. Uh, Gravitas. Gravitas. <laughs> <laughs> and you can main inter- uh, remain interested 
over such a small issue yeah. over three hours. Yeah, yeah. It it was actually weird. I think this might be the first three hour movie this year that I've actually been invested in the whole time. Like I haven't, right. I didn't check my watch. I didn't do anything besides watch the movie itself. All right. Well, it's hard to not take that as a attack on both me and Ari Aster, <laughs> my good friend. <laughs> All right, but carry on yeah. with your slander <laughs> and Big Jim. Well, did you not watch Avatar this year? I watched it last year as well. Answer my question: Did you watch Avatar this year? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So what do you mean you watched? You didn't watch a three-hour movie that kept your attention? I watched it last year as well, and it kept my attention then. <sighs> oh, you're saying only movies that were released? This yes, this right. year specifically. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. <laughs> very small criteria. So <laughs> yeah, I can also make a very specific criteria. Uh, this was my favorite movie about the uh, uh, scientist Robert Oppenheimer this year. Damn it! Thought you were going to say your favorite about a nuclear bomb. There was another a documentary about him, but I'm not obviously not counting that. Just yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about theatrical, but whatever. Okay. Yeah, carry on. I also really enjoyed the practical effects. Well, I I say practical effects. Like, there are some things that were definitely done practically. Yeah, because he said a quote that I think people have misinterpreted. Yeah. He said that there's no CGI in this movie. Yeah. Which people have taken to mean there's no visual effects. Everything is practical. Yeah. That's not what he was saying. No. CGI is a very specific thing. Yeah. You're taking the... Like, the entire images computer generate yeah and then you maybe like paste on the real actor yeah he what nolan is saying is he filmed everything and then did some effects over the top of that yeah that's what he means he's, he's not saying that there's no effects yeah so but that being said i did enjoy you know when the bomb went off yeah he, uh <laughs> i read this thing that said that they use something called bigotures yes so instead of miniatures. Yeah. <laughs> Big version. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they got a lot of good footage from that. And uh, Yes. Yeah. I don't yeah. really look too much into the craft of filmmaking. Yeah. I just like to see it on that's, screen. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway. But yeah, it's like the... So usually like in a movie when there's an explosion, right? You'll have the explosion and then instantly the sound yes, at the same yes, time. Yes, yes, This was a realistic depiction of a bomb. Yeah. Which, like, very <laughs> upsetting. Because <laughs> you, you're just waiting for the, you know, sound. Yeah. And it's, the seconds tick by and you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and then you get hit by it. <laughs> it's a very... You know, strange sensation. Yeah, it's not something. Uh, I don't think I've experienced it before. Like um, maybe something else that gave a similar effect, but I can't remember something where like you see it and then you wait. You like wait, and wait, and, and it feels wait. like an eternity, and then poof, yeah. and like I like I was shocked when the yeah. <laughs> when the sound happened. I was like, Ooh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. I mean. Literally, oh, also, yeah, there were some really nice little comedic parts of the movie. 
like um you know when they are like also when they're watching the bomb and one of the scientists turns to the guy in the jeep and he's like where are your glasses and the guy goes uh the windscreen will stop the blast and he goes what's going to stop the glass <laughs> <laughs> bro there's so many funny things in yeah. this movie oh. i yeah Lots of times when I just burst out laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes inappropriately because the rest of the audience was quiet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is funny, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I giggled to myself most of the way through mm-hmm. the movie. Mm-hmm. But that was mostly nerding out about the theoretical physics behind mm-hmm. all nuclear stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who's the actor they got for Einstein. Oh. But I also don't want to know. I, that guy is just Einstein to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they I'm more willing to believe that they built a time machine. <laughs> got the actual Albert Einstein for this movie than I am. Right. Um shit, what was I going to say? The I the only gripe I have with this movie. Wow. Nolan's Lander. this people you know listening with bated breath now it's it's not even nolan slander it's that there's literally okay actually no there's two but i'll get into the second one later i didn't like the sex scenes or like the 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 whole tatlock uh what's her name tatlock jean tatlock yeah the the whole like i didn't see the need for florence puter always be naked she's hot fair enough All right. but like <laughs> why what was the like so in the notes I said um, she like I get that this actually happened and they like they kind of want to represent how I guess not hectic but like you know how this affair is happening yeah and stuff right but like i feel like they could have done it in other ways all right now listeners i'm going to tell you something it's something i've been seeing online okay. mostly younger people have started to find sex scenes in movies upsetting or unnecessary yeah i'm not saying that's you i'm just saying <laughs> it's a general trend i've been seeing yeah where people are like oh i don't like a sex scene because of this or because of that or you know it makes me uncomfortable yeah whatever I think that is ridiculous, right? Okay. What is the point of anything in a movie? To tell a story. Because that's what the director wanted to put in. If yeah. they wanted to put in a sex scene then that's their prerogative. Fair enough. You also you can dislike it, but uh, you know. Yeah. To say it's pointless is uh not correct because like you mentioned yourself that shows their relationship. Yeah. Right? It also introduces the uh Oh, I see what this is. Florence Pugh cooked your ass and now you're upset. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to get your revenge. <laughs> you're like, oh well her scene sucked, dude. <laughs> I see what's happening. <laughs> I see through your lies. <laughs> Alright. But yes, I thought it was a I I no, I don't agree that the sex scene scenes were unnecessary. Yeah. I think they were tastefully done. Okay. But 
I thought it was a very weird place to introduce that quote. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm become death to this one. <laughs> like that that's one of the things that inappropriately made me laugh. When he said that in that scene. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I started laughing. But the rest of the theater was a like, quiet song. Like, oh shit. We just reeled this in. <laughs> that was wh- why would you say that? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's fucking hilarious, bro. But again, I also think that uh, it shows that she's engaging with him intellectually, yeah, as opposed to his wife, who, you know, drinks. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> when you see their relationship, they're not really talking about like know, intellectual. Topics. Yeah, yeah, it's very like quick interchanges between the two. Yeah. Then the second sex scene, I thought that was way more effective. Okay. Because it's showing Emily Blunt's psyche. Yeah. Okay. She's so upset that she starts imagining what it's like. And, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I've never had somebody cheat on me. So, okay. <laughs> you know, I can't speak to it. But maybe, like, she's so upset that's all she can see. Yeah. And Nolan is visualizing that. Yeah. Her seething rage as her seeing them. In the act when that's not at all what's happening, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. or alternative reading, she's just fucking drunk, <laughs> <laughs> and there's like a tweety bird, you know, around yeah. her head, <laughs> flying around her head. <laughs> you know when there's like little stars yeah. around. Yes, you know? <laughs> the cartoon, that's what's happening to her. <laughs> you get bonked on the head in the yes. hill rises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what happened to her. But yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Anyway, the second... I mean, it's not really a gripe. It's just kind of something I noticed and I took 0.05 of a percent... Well, of a point off of it for... Uh, it was that Emily Blunt's English accent very slightly appears every now and then. Is she English? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know your point. She might be Australian, actually. But, like, yeah, she's... It It just, like... I feel like if they redid... Um, not... Obviously, like, you know, you've got time constraints and there's only so much you can redo. They redid the dialogue. Yeah, maybe. So this is something I mentioned in... The, well, sorry, finish your point. I just... I don't know. I feel like they could have maybe, like, reshot a couple scenes right. where, like, you know, she's more American. But that's really, like the only thing about it it's not crazy right well i make a separate point okay i see what you're saying but i didn't uh you know feel her accent was off or anything yeah but so this is something i find out i found out this week nolan says he doesn't adr anymore adr i mentioned that in the context all right i said he's a pioneer in some places but he's a luddite for the sun yes using ADR so ADR is when they like redub oh right so like they film it and then maybe you can't hear somebody clearly they'll re-record it at the studio and and they'll just redub the right so all of Bane's dialogue was ADR'd in uh, Dark Knight Rises yeah because you can't hear him through the mask yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so in Tenet and this one I'm not sure about you know, the movies in between Dark Knight Rises and Tenet. Yeah. But 
he said specifically from Tenet and this one, he stopped using ADR. Okay, yeah. And a common complaint in these two movies is that people have found that they're too loud and they can't hear the actors. Okay, yeah. So that made perfect sense to me. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's because you're not ADRing any dialogue. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. That does make sense. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's a separate point to what you were saying about the accent. But yeah. uh, it reminded me about he doesn't ADR anymore. Yeah. But they could have fixed Emily Blunt's accent so, if they did ADR. Yeah, they could have. Yeah. That is a thing. Hmm. Yeah. But that's really about it for me from this movie. Is that... Have we gone through everything? I'm trying to think now. I don't... Yeah, I mean... Because I, I didn't go through it scene by scene like we usually do. Yeah. I was worried that this episode would go too long because it's a three-hour movie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the the PTSD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. realistic portrayal of, you know... PTSD. Well, the guilt, I guess. A panic attack. Is it? You know when he goes and he gives that speech? Yeah. And he's freaking out? Yes. That's a realistic depiction of a panic attack. Oh. I also really love that scene where, like, he's giving a speech and the Americans are chanting. Yeah. And you, like, you see the... Well, you you said it, the PTSD. Yeah. You can see the effect it's having on him. Yeah. So, a lot of people... Another point of criticism people have leveled at this movie is that we don't see the Japanese reaction. Yeah. Which, that's a fine point. But again, I go back to... It's Christopher Nolan's decision. Yeah. Nolan is making a movie about this man's guilt. Yeah. He's not interested in the... Victims. The, the victims of yeah. that guilt. Right, yeah. In the same way as... You know, somebody... Like the person who invented the gun. Yeah. It would be like about their life. It won't be about the victims that those guns took. Yeah. Similarly, that's how I think Nolan views this. But if you, you know, think something is missing without the... Japanese perspective yeah. then that's fine but yeah. <laughs> you know but like I said you can just deduct points from your rating yeah. Nolan is not under any obligation to do what you think yeah. should have been in the movie that is fair mm. yeah yeah oh, there was something I was thinking and I just lost it damn yeah it's pretty fucked dude yeah Okay, well, we'll skip it and I'll put it in the cleanup next week. Alright, recommendation. Um, so you know how last week I was uh, talking about Bruce Brothers? And you were like, well, I was like, oh, it's it's pretty terrible. Well, it's like average. It's not well written, not well acted, not well this and that. And oh, that. the Jewish bar. Y- yes, yeah, <laughs> the Jewish right. bar. Right, okay. Um, it. I see why it wasn't renewed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that. I hope the, the creators hear this to come after you. <laughs> they leave nasty comments on YouTube. <laughs> we gave our best. Fuck you. <laughs> Have you made a Hebrews? <laughs> it it sounds wrong like that. Right. right. It's because they ended it perfectly. Oh. That's like, that's the one thing they did really well. <laughs> They ended it perfectly. But yeah, so I, I finished Bruce Brothers. And uh, I mean, Record of Ragnarok, which I also spoke about last week. I just finished that up as well. And uh, yeah, they've pretty much just set up season three. It's like, it's kind of insignificant. 
because like at the end of season one they're like uh, even on points between humans and gods yeah. at the end of season two spoiler alert same thing so yeah. Yeah. they didn't progress yeah it's just the same shit pretty much yeah, yeah. I hate that shit yeah they re- restore everything to the status quo yeah there needs to be change you know yeah mm. anyway yeah. are you done yeah my recommendations the season 4 premiere of the Harley Quinn TV show okay it's just a fun it's funny as ever, ever and I'm excited for the season end Okay. There's nothing really to say. They're at least the first three episodes. Nice. Way fun. Cool. There's a new animated Justice League movie subtitled War World. Okay. It's a series of vignettes starring the main members of the Justice League. Okay. And do they all tie together at the end of the movie? I'll I never don't... tell. Oh. But they do. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. The Justice League teams up at the end of a Justice League movie. Um... That's insane. Yeah, I thought it was mid. I gave it a five. Okay. There's a new season of Good Omens. Okay. It's a show about an angel, an angel and a demon trying to save the world. Okay. Based on a book by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. The first season was released in 2019 and stars Michael Sheen and David Tennant. Okay. Do you know those guys? Are? Charlie Sheen's brother and the guy from Friends. No. Yeah. The guy from Friends. How do you get that from David Tennant? Isn't that... Um, David Schwimmer. Oh, Schwimmer. Ah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The same first name. Yeah. David Tennant was the doctor in Doctor Who. Oh. He's a very... He's probably the most beloved doctor. Right, okay. And people are always like, bring him back, bring him back. But yeah. the point of Doctor Who is when he dies, he regenerates into another form. Yes. So that guy's dead. (laughs) They always like travel through time to, you know, meet him again. Yeah. Because, (laughs) yeah, the public is so in love with David Tennant. Yeah. He was also, do you know, in the fourth Harry Potter movie? Yes. He is the guy who brings Voldemort back to life. Oh. uh, He becomes... Who the fuck is that guy? Alistair Moody. Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. He pretends to be Mad-Eye Moody. Yeah. That character is played by David Tennant. Right. Okay. Yeah. He's also the villain in Jessica Jones. Have yeah. you seen that? No. It's called... He's the Purple Man. Okay. But, uh, you know, very sick guy. He rapes uh, her. Oh. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, I thought it was fun. It's a charming show. Season 2, I think, still keeps the charm, but it's unfocused and a step down from the storytelling in the first season. Okay. So the first season was based on the book, yeah. the entirety of the book. But right. there's an unpublished like outline for a second book, okay. which is what the season was based on. Right. So I think if like they had tightened up the, you know, the rough outline, yeah. they could have had a better season. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, I gave it a 6. Okay. Then I caught up on the stuff uh, I should have done for our previous episodes. <laughs> so firstly, I watched Greta Gerwig's Little Woman. Okay. So I'd seen the 1933 original a while back. Yeah. And this adds a lot, but the main thing is the visual elements. Okay. So the 1933 one is a black and white yeah. movie. Makes sense. So this, like the outfits of all the sisters yeah. and the... Yeah, just the visuals of the movie are just, just spectacular, right? Okay, yeah. So once again, I view her as the female Zack Snyder. 
Fair enough. <laughs> you know, I gave it an eight. Okay. So then I watched Missions, Mission Impossible's two through six. Okay. Basically, everything I said in the episode is correct, except for the fact that I've now watched number six and is my favorite ahead of four. <gasps> so, okay. in descending order of quality, I go six, which I gave a nine. Wow. Okay. Four, which I gave a nine. Okay. The first one, which I gave an eight. Okay. The fifth one, which I gave an eight. Yeah. The seventh one, which is the one we covered. Yes. Uh, I gave it a six. Okay. The third one from 2006, I gave a six. Okay. And the second one, I gave a five. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. Up, like, six, four, one, and five are all good movies. Right. Seven, three, and two are not good movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's the lower tier and there's upper tier. There's a right. very clear denomination between them. Okay. Yeah. Then, the next installment in the Tim Burton miniseries is Sweeney Todd. Oh, Okay. Which is an adaptation of the novel and then later legendary stage play of the same name. Yeah. I thought it was a good movie. Nowhere nearly, like nowhere near the quality of 90s Burton. Okay. But it's a solid 7 out of 10 movie. Apparently the stage play is so good that a lot of people felt let down by this movie. Yeah. But I have no context for that, so I can't speak to it. Uh, Fair You know, uh, I'm only speaking in terms of the movie. Reasonable. Lastly, I watched the next Park Chan-wook movie. It's called I'm a Cyborg, but oh. that's okay. And it's a movie about a young mentally ill woman who has been committed to a mental institution because she believes that she's a cyborg. Oh. Okay. I watched this in 2021 and I thought it was so boring. Okay. On rewatch, it has gone extre- it's gone up extremely high in my rankings. Oh, I think I may have just been on my phone at the time, <laughs> you know, when I was watching that. Yeah. But now that I was paying attention, I realized that you get a lot of incredible visuals. Okay. It's a way more funny story than, you know, funny elements in the story than I, than I remember. Yeah. And much more heartwarming. Okay. I gave it a nine. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah, probably my biggest surprise upon rewatch throughout the series so far. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, give a like, etc. Two, three, four likes yeah. if you have multiple accounts. Now, we're not supposed to give out stuff. Okay. Right. Because this could be seen as a bribe. Yes. But... If you give a like, I'll bake a muffin <laughs> and come to your house personally and deliver it. So, you know, take that for what, it was. <laughs> what, it, what it's worth, you know. Yeah. Again, we're not allowed to bribe. So this is not a bribe. I'm just yeah. saying, sometimes yeah. people say things. That so, is true. you know, maybe take that into consideration. That's all I'm saying. In fact, maybe I'll go give it a like. To get a free muffin. Alright, you exploded. Oh, that's not fair. How is that not fair? You're gaming the system. You're taking it from yourself. You, you maniac. Alright. I just want the muffin, man. Anyway, importantly, it needs to be a five-star review. It has to be. Please subscribe on Patreon to listen to our movie commentaries. Yeah. You can find all our links at paceup.com. Please tell a friend. Tell that friend to tell a friend. And tell a family member. Tell two. Or three. Huh, I think uh, that's it for this week. Yeah. Cheers. Cheerio. Au revoir.